All right, Thrive Church, how we doing today? Hopefully you're not too sick of me at this point. I've been out here a lot today. But if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12. Now, some of you probably don't know this about me, but I'm a really big comic book fan. Like a really big comic book fan. I didn't actually grow up. A comic book fan. I like the movies and everything, but it wasn't until I got into my 20s that I all of a sudden got really interested in comic books. And uh, I actually subscribed to uh, DC and Marvel's like unlimited universe on my phone and iPad so I can access any comic book at any point in time that I want. And I mean, we're talking about the origins of their comics from like the 30s and onward. I have all this just on my tablet or my phone. But before I got into comics, uh, I wasn't really into the Hulk character. He was not one of my favorite characters in the entire uh, comic book realm. But once I started reading comics and I started kind of diving into his backstory, he has slowly become one of my favorite characters. And for those of you that don't know anything about the Hulk, basically, uh, there's Dr. Bruce Banner, and he got mixed up into some intense gamma radiation. And as a result of that, he turns into this big green monster. And what ends up happening is, while he's Dr. Banner, there are certain triggers that send him into this kind of mode, right? They kind of set him off. If he gets angry or if he gets frustrated or if he senses injustice, you name it, he turns into the Hulk. And what ends up happening is the Hulk kind of delivers his own brand of justice and usually ends up kind of tearing apart everything. And when uh, Dr. Banner reappears, he has no clue most of the time what he just did. He has no idea of the destruction. And he sees the destruction that the Hulk caused, and he usually ends up regretting what he did as the Hulk. Now, as we continue this series called Game of Thrones, I want us to look at a king in the Bible who had triggers that caused him to transform into something different. And I want us to look at a trigger today that causes all of us to do things that we may regret. Now, again, if you're just joining us for the very first time, this series is not based off of the show, Game of Thrones. We're not drawing parallels between the show and, uh, you know, the Bible. No, this is we're looking at the kings that are found in the Bible, specifically the kings of Israel. And last week, we looked at a guy called Rehoboam. We saw that Rehoboam surrounded himself with a bunch of people that gave him some bad advice. The week before that, we talked about Solomon. And Solomon didn't have anybody who spoke truth into his life. He did not have a prophet in his life to speak truth and wisdom into his life. Well, today we're going to look at the other brother, the other son that Solomon had, and that is Jeroboam. And if you remember, Rehoboam and Jeroboam kind of had this falling out, right? There was like a civil war keeping in line with the Marvel theme that we went here. It's a civil war, and they split up, and, and Rehoboam, he was the king of the south, and Jeroboam was king of the north. So when we dive into 1 Kings chapter 12, we see Jeroboam, he is a young king. He's a first-time leader. And let's take a look at what he does as he takes over. This is 1 Kings chapter 12, starting with verse 25. It says, 
Jeroboam then built up the city of Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, and it became his capital. Later, he went and built up the town of Peniel. Jeroboam thought to himself, unless I am careful, the kingdom will return to the dynasty of David. When these people go to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord, they will again give their allegiance to King Rehoboam of Judah. They will kill me and make him their king instead. So we saw last week, Rehoboam, he, he got some bad advice from his counselors. So let's take a look at what the advice Jeroboam's counselors give him. So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two gold calves. He said to the people, it is too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of Egypt. He placed these calf idols in Bethel and in Dan, at either end of his kingdom. But this became a great sin, for the people worshipped the idols, traveling as far north as Dan to worship the one there. Jeroboam also erected buildings at the pagan shrines and ordained priests from the common people, those who were not from the priestly tribe of Levi." Jeroboam built pagan shrines. That was the advice that his counselors gave to him. And that directly disobeyed God. I think we can all agree that that was not very good wisdom given by his counselors. And as I read this, as we were reading this, there's one part of that story that kind of shows the, the tell-all of why this became a problem, why he made the decision that he ended up making. And it was this, unless I am careful, the people will start following Rehoboam. Unless I'm careful, they're going to start following Rehoboam. Jeroboam was fearful that he was going to lose control of his subjects. He was scared that the people would stop following him, and they would instead go and follow his brother. Now, you remember that Hulk trigger that we were talking about? Jeroboam had a trigger that turned him into a person that made really awful, horrible decisions. He ended up looking something like a monster, and he made decisions that he later regretted. Well, Jeroboam had a trigger that a lot of us have. It's the same kind of trigger that a lot of us have a problem with, that we struggle with, and it was anxiety. Jeroboam struggled with anxiety. And this is our big idea for today. If you have your notes handy, you can write this down. Our big idea is this. Anxiety pushes us to make decisions that are ultimately harmful. Anxiety pushes us to make decisions that are ultimately harmful. Jeroboam did not want to lose control of the people. He wanted to control the people. He wanted to keep them. But he had bad anxiety. And he had the feeling and the need of approval from those that were underneath him, those that were around him. He had an anxiety of fear of not having control of the situation, of not having control of all the people. So what ended up happening 
he ended up making some really harmful decisions to those people. He made harmful decisions to himself, and he ultimately made harmful decisions towards the kingdom of God. And we do the same thing. We have a tendency to do the same thing. Every one of us has anxiety. Every single person here has struggled with anxiety at least one point in their life. Some people struggle with it daily. See, I thought anxiety or being, was being afraid. It was just being fearful. That's what was causing anxiety. I thought anxiety was something that it wasn't. So it wasn't until this pandemic hit that I kind of truly understood what anxiety really was. And Pastor Kevin shared a podcast with the staff of the church, and it was uh, from this uh, pastor named Steve Cuss, and, and he had this really insightful thing to say about anxiety, and it really changed the way that I viewed anxiety. And this is what he said about it. We experience anxiety when we think we need something we don't really need. We experience anxiety when we think we need something that we actually don't really need. Jeroboam thought that he needed control. He thought that he needed to have control over the people. He thought that he couldn't afford to lose control of them. So what did he do? He made poor decisions. That's the same kind of thing that happens to us when we experience anxiety. What's that thing that you do when you don't get what you think you need? See, there are a lot of things that we think that we need in this life. There are a lot of things that we think that we personally need. Here's just a couple examples. We think we need approval from people. We think we need approval from people. And this gets me in trouble a lot. See, last week, when I was uh, giving the sermon to our online campus, I explained that I am a people pleaser. I really like people to be happy with me. I don't want anybody to be upset with me. I don't want anybody to be angry with me, mad at me, whatever. I want them to like me. I want them to approve of me. So I go out of my way to make every single person that I come in contact with happy. I just want there to be peace. I want everyone to be happy. And this can cause me great anxiety because guess what? You can't make everybody happy. I've tried. You can't make everybody happy. And that causes me such great anxiety because I think that I need to do that. I think that I need approval from every single person. Many of us in this room, many of the people that are watching think that they need approval from others. So we do crazy things for attention and approval that are actually harmful to us or maybe harmful to other people. We say yes to things that we definitely don't need to say yes to. And we do things to make other people happy. What are we doing? We're operating out of anxiety. We don't need approval from others. We don't really need approval from others because we have the approval of God. 
we think we need approval. Another thing that we think that we need in life is control of a situation. We think that we need to be in control of the situation. Some of us, including me, do this out of anxiety. Anytime life feels out of control, we start kind of hulking out, right? Because we're anxious. We want to take control of the situation. And if we can't, we find things that we can control. If I can't control that, I'm going to go find something I can control. That's going to make me feel a whole lot better. And if we can't find things that we can control, we start taking it out on the wrong people. We start nitpicking our spouse, or we start yelling at our kids, or if things don't go the way that we want it and we just don't feel like we're in control, we'll just take our ball and we'll go home. And I've seen that a lot. I've worked in church for a long time, and I'm telling you, I've seen a lot of people get anxious and just take their ball and go home because they were not in control. I've seen it time and time again. Or we get into this kind of fight or flight mode, as Elizabeth likes to say. Can I be real with you guys? I experience this kind of anxiety. I've experienced this kind of anxiety in this season of COVID-19. Like, a lot. <laughs> and it's because I'm not in control of the situation when I like to be in control of the situation. I can't make the world go back to the way that it was. I have no control over that. I can't go take the vacations that I want to go take because things are just closed and I can't make that not a thing. And I so badly want it to be back to the way it was and I guarantee that everybody in this room, everybody watching at home, you want it to be that way too. You want it to go back to normal. We want to be in control. And when we don't have control, we begin to get anxious. This has caused me great anxiety. And this anxiety causes us to make poor decisions. Control is an illusion, if we're being real. Control is an illusion. We don't have to have control over every single thing. Today, right here, right now, we're going live. This is the very first day we've done this, and I have no control over this. Because I've been on this stage the entire time. I'm assuming everything's okay, but I don't know. And it's causing me to have knots in my stomach and to be anxious because I have no control. But I don't need to be in control. Do you know why? Because God is in control. God has given us at Thrive Church so many people who are capable and who love God and who love serving God and they can make this happen. And they can make it happen better than I can. And that's a good thing. But we think that we need to be in control. And finally, we think we need achievements. We think we need achievements. Some of you today are trying to prove your worth through achievements. You do this by achieving more and achieving more and doing more and taking on more in your own life. 
Some of you want to show others up by just doing more. Show people how much more spiritual you are because I'm doing the extra. Some of you are trying to achieve and achieve and achieve. Or maybe you try to find approval by achieving. That's how you get approval from others. That's how you feel like you get approval. You might be saying, when I'm finally in charge or I'm in the position where I'm in control of everything, then I'll be happy. I won't need anything else as long as I'm here. The grass is way greener over there. So let me go over there. And once I'm over there, things will be better. And you say, look how I'm doing, everybody. Aren't I great? Aren't I amazing? Look how competent I am. Look at how much I can take on. Keep on piling it on, folks. I can take it. Keep giving me more and more and more. But we are trying to achieve out of anxiety. We don't need to achieve to prove our self-worth. And this is why this is so important. Why do we need to know this today? Why, why is this in, important? If you and I don't deal with the anxiety that we are dealing with in our own lives, we will suffer. This is what's going to happen. If we don't pay attention to our anxiety, then it will cause us to reverse the very thing that we are seeking. If we don't pay attention to our anxiety, then it will cause us to reverse the very thing we are seeking. Your anxiety will cause you to pursue something that is just a mirage. You'll never get to where it is that you want to go or where you think you need to be. Because when you get there, guess what? You're just going to want more. You're going to want more. And you're going to become more and more anxious. You will pursue control of life only to find out that you can't be in control of that. And the very thing that you're trying to pursue, trying to control, you'll end up losing it. Or worse, you might gain a false sense of control, but you'll lose your sanity trying to get there. You will achieve and you will achieve but it will never truly fill you. So you end up experiencing the opposite of what you're desperately seeking. Here's what anxiety does to you. Think about it in in these terms. Anxiety makes you thirsty. You aren't internally content or fulfilled, so you seek your fill to fill your thirst, right? You seek water, but watch this. Here's what anxiety does. Anxiety is like drinking salt water instead of regular tap water. Anxiety is like drinking salt water when you're thirsty. Salt water will only make you more and more thirsty, and it will cause you to keep drinking more and more of the salt water until finally you are dehydrated and you eventually die. And can we be honest? Many of us have fallen for that kind of thing, for that trap. I've fallen for that. You've fallen for that. I suffer from needing approval from people. I suffer from needing to achieve more and more. See, as a kid, I I can kind of point back 
where that began. Most of us, I think, if we truly examine our lives, we can see where anxiety really started to bubble up within us, right? Kind of a breaking point, that, that moment that we just started kind of hulking out. And uh, I, can, I can pinpoint it for myself. It was back in elementary school. <laughs> see, I had a group of friends that were extremely intelligent for elementary school kids, okay, mind you. But they were very smart. They did very well in school. They didn't have to try very hard. They just made straight A's, and it was nothing for them. And these were my group of friends that I hung out with all the time. That wasn't me. Now, I, I'm not dumb, but I mean, like, I just, I wasn't that smart. I was just kind of like the middle-of-the-road kid. The way I looked at it, I was the comic relief in the group, okay? Like, that's what I was there for, to make everybody laugh and to have a good time and to make everybody happy. But I can remember there were a few times in school where the teacher would call on me to answer a question out in front of everybody, and, like, I just didn't know it, and I was so embarrassed. It caused me to have such great anxiety because I just didn't want people to look down on me. And I got to the point where I just didn't want to go back to school anymore, and I, I faked sick at least every other week just so I didn't have to go to school because I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of my friends any longer. It caused me to stay silent. I used to talk all the time. I don't talk very much anymore, but it caused me to do that because I don't want people to look at me like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want people to look at me like I'm a, like a joke or I'm not very smart, so I, I stay silent. That's what anxiety did to me. I thought I needed the approval of my peers. I still struggle with this. I still think that I need approval from everybody. I still think that I need people to know that I'm not dumb, that I, that I am smart, and I know what I'm doing, and I know what I'm talking about. But what ends up happening when we operate out of anxiety is we make harmful decisions. Anxiety caused me to seek approval from everybody. Now, the things that I do, they're not bad. They're not immoral things, but it's like continually trying to drink salt water. No matter what I do, I'm going to keep trying and trying and trying to gain the approval of everybody else. And I'll never be satisfied. I'll never be full. So here's what we have to do so that we don't make the same mistake that Jeroboam made. You and I have to ask this question. This is your next step. Your next step is to ask yourself this question. What is the action you take when you don't get what you feel you need. What is the action you and I take when we don't get what we feel we need? Jeroboam's act was to go and make idols to please all the people around him, to match up with the culture that was around him. He was willing to disobey God to please the people that were around him, to line up with the culture so, that he, so that everybody liked him and didn't want to leave him. That's the action that he took when he feared he was going to lose the people. What's that action for you? What do you do when you don't feel like you're getting what you need? When you aren't getting fulfilled? It's critical for us to examine this in our own lives because you have to understand this about anxiety. It's contagious. Lord, help us when me and Elizabeth are both anxious the world is, is done. Just 
close the blinds and just cover, put the covers over your head and forget about it because it's contagious and we will feed off of each other until we're just sitting there and we're this, this big ball of anxious mess. It's contagious. When we act out of our anxiety, it actually ends up those around us becoming more and more anxious. And here's the root of all of this. If you're wondering why, why this matters and how any of this actually is spiritual, this, this, is, this is the antidote for our anxiety. How do we manage our anxiety in life? How do we do this? Allow God to meet the need that you're trying to get met by people. Allow God to meet the need that you are trying to get met by other people. Many of us are drinking salt water here today. We're trying so hard to get the approval of others. We're trying so hard to have control over every situation. And the enemy of our souls, Satan, he is whispering into our ears that yes, we need those things. We need to have control. You need to have those people like you. It doesn't matter what you have to do, make them like you. God will understand. He won't mind it if you're just trying to be a peacemaker between everybody. This is what the lie of anxiety does to us. And Satan would love to use anxiety in your life to ruin what God has planned for you. You don't need the approval of other people. You don't need to be in control of every situation. You don't need to achieve more and more and more to get some sort of self-worth in your life. At the end of the day, only God can meet your needs. We have to internally go and seek God as our source. I want you to know I struggle too. I'm not perfect. Nobody here is perfect. I struggle with this too. I want people to like me. I want people to approve of me. But I have to constantly remind myself that I don't need approval from anybody else because God has already approved. When you follow Jesus, God already approves of you. You are already proven in Christ. You don't need to buy into the illusion of control because we serve a God who sits on the throne and nothing takes him by surprise. See, he had a solution to the problem before you even knew you had a problem. You and I, we don't need attention from people. We don't need likes in, in, in the care emoji on Facebook. We don't need any of those things because we have a God who cares about every detail of our lives. I don't have to continue to try to be important or to achieve because God has already accepted who I am. We are fully approved through Jesus Christ. He is our cure for our anxiety. 
we have to start drinking from the well that Jesus talked about in John 4. The well that never runs dry. The one that when we go to, we will truly be fulfilled in this life. And we will never be thirsty again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are here. That you are alive. That it is through the death and resurrection of your son, Jesus, that we have become accepted by you into your family. We are sons and daughters. We are co-heirs in Christ. And it's because of that fact, we don't need the approval of other people. We don't need to be in control because you are in control. You are not caught by surprise. You are in control. And that's all that matters. We thank you, God, for the love that you pour down onto us every day. And as we continue on this mode of prayer, if you're here today, if you're listening online, and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you want to, you can feel God drawing you towards him. All you have to do is pray this prayer after me. Father, I know that I have sinned. I know that I fall short of your glory in every way. But I believe and I know that you sent your son Jesus to die for me, to take my sins upon him. That he was put upon the cross, he was buried, and three days later he rose again that he conquered death, he defeated hell, and it is because of this act I know that I have been made right with you. I fully accept you as my Lord and Savior because I know that you love me, I know that you care for me, I know that I can call upon you and you will answer and you will hear me. thank you, God, for your love, your grace, and your mercy that you pour out onto us every day. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Guys, can we put our hands together for those that made that decision today?